I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Does that mean I can play the piano like Gina Lohan? That was quick. <laughs> Does that mean I can take a pole and pole vault into the balcony? No. Does that mean you can take a test in quantum physics and ace it without cracking a book or going to class? No. So what in the world does all things mean? Let's stand together. We're going to read Philippians 4, verses 10 through 14. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Specifically, Paul is talking about the offering that the Philippians had, had received and were giving to the church in Jerusalem. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I complain of all, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound in any and all circumstances. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and want. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Pray with me. Father, as we take these words, help us to understand and apply in our hearts what all things can mean in our lives, in our ministries, and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Have a seat. So what in the world does it mean to say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Because sometimes people want to take a verse out of context and, 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 and take it to mean that all things means I can do anything anytime I want to. Anything, whatever. That's not the case. What does all things mean? Well, the primary lesson in understanding a verse is what's the context don't take a single verse out of context so what is Paul leading up to in in chapter 4 that culminates in I can do all things because there's about four things that he is talking about in the opening verses of chapter 4 and I'm going to read them for you now and kind of point them out to you verse 2 I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord and I ask you also true yoke fellow Help these women, for they have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and in the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that you have revived your concern. I not that I complain of want, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content, as he wrote, I know how to be abased, how to be abound. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and want, abundance and hunger. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say that with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe that? What does it mean? And how can we apply it to what Paul has been talking about in the opening verses of chapter 4? C.K. Chesterton said, 
Christians ought not be better than other people ought to be, but they ought to be better than other people are. So everybody ought to be good, but because we have Christ in us empowering us to be different, we ought to be better than other people actually are. There ought to be a distinct difference in the life of a Christian. And what are some of those characteristics that Paul is pointing to in these opening verses of chapter 4 that distinguish us from those who don't enjoy the power of Christ in them? Well, the first thing is you ought to be able to love without measure and let that distinction separate you from other, other people, non-Christians. And he's referring especially to you two women, Euodia and Syntyche, to agree in the Lord. I ask you also, Yoke fellow, help these women, for they have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. Who were Euodia and Syntyche, and what problem did they have in the church that it required Paul to address directly in his letter? Have you ever noticed when Paul writes a letter, he always has the introductory formalities, the greetings, the, you know, I'm proud of you, I'm pleased with all you're doing. And then as he gets to the end of the letter, it's the more awkward things that he deals with. And there's a problem between two ladies, apparently leaders in the church, because everybody knows who they are. Everybody knows the issue that Paul is addressing. Maybe there were factions that they were leading in the church. I, I'm on Euodia's side. I'm on Syntyche's side. What is he saying? He's saying that it's possible to love beyond differences, to love without measure. Does that mean Republicans and Democrats can get along in church? Yes. Does that mean those who love contemporary music and those who love traditional music can get along in church? Yes. If Euodia and Syntyche can get along, then anybody can. And I think it's good that Paul doesn't specifically address the issue that Euodia and Syntyche were, were arguing about. Because if he had been specific, then we would have just taken that lesson and applied it specifically to, to that problem that we might have in our church. But he doesn't address it specifically. It's, it's just, as if the whole church already knows what he's talking about. And these ladies who led factions, maybe one was president of WMU, one was president of the missions committee, it doesn't matter. But because it was so general in nature, then we can take the lesson that Paul is saying, I want you ladies to agree together because your witness in this early church in Philippi is harmful. You're supposed to be different. You want to have a witness to the community of Philippi. And because you are quarreling and arguing among yourselves, people outside the church are looking at you and saying, well, there's no difference between you and us. What do you have that I don't have that attracts me? Nothing. Sometimes I hear people say, you know, I don't want to go to that church. It's just full of hypocrites. You ever heard that? You know what my reply is? That's probably true, but we have room for one more. Because who, who can be perfectly honest and vulnerable and transparent all the time? We're not perfect. We are forgiven. And that's what draws us into the family of faith. And and Paul is entreating Euodia and Syntyche to whatever the difference is, it doesn't matter. Come together because the factions you have created with the, in the church are harmful to the body's witness. We don't know what the problem is, and we don't even know if they were resolved. But we have a clue in their names. 
because the word euodia means beautiful word. And the name syntyche means coming together. So maybe by these two ladies coming together, laying aside their differences for the cause of Christ and communicating with beautiful words to each other, maybe their reconciliation became a witness to the community of Philippi that brought people together. So I can do all things. One thing is loving across differences without measure. A second thing is living without fear. Look at verse 6. Have no anxiety about anything. And, and have no anxiety is imperative. Stop worrying. And it implies that they are fraught with worry and concern and anxiety. The church already is being fretful. And Paul is saying, just stop it. Just stop what you're doing. Because once again, it's harmful to your witness. Have no anxiety, but in everything... With prayer and supplication, prayer is intercession. Supplication is like praying for my needs. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I don't know what's causing you fear, what's raising your blood pressure. It could be any number of, of things. Problems in your home, difficulties with children, struggles at work, maybe financial issues. Have no anxiety. Stop worrying about everything because there's nothing too great for God's power and there's nothing too small for his care. Nothing too great for his power, nothing too small for his concern and care. So whatever it is, I can do all things. Paul is saying, don't be anxious. Don't worry. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I don't know how that speaks to you. I had someone come up after the 830 service and said, I have really been struggling. And, and that passage really helped me today. I'm going to try to lay aside my worry and my anxiety because I can do this because I have Christ in me. The third thing. Limit thought without action. And what I mean by that is just linking what you're thinking with what you're doing. And it's, it's very clear here in verses 8 and 9. Paul is telling you to think about some things. Think about what is honorable and just and pure and lovely and gracious. And if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. But don't stop there. Once you have thought on these things, now I want you to go and do them. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, go and do. And the God of peace will be with you. It's not enough just to think about good and holy and gracious and pure thoughts because we can think about those. We can sit in our home in our recliner and think about and ponder those things until the cows come home. But Paul combines it with action. You think on these things and now go and do them. That's why Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if what? If you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. There's a hymn Barry and I were talking about earlier. It's an old hymn. I love thee, I love thee, I love thee, my God. You know that hymn? I love thee, my Savior. I love thee, my God. I love thee, I love thee, 
what? And that thou dost know, but how much I love thee, my actions will show. How much? Jesus said, if you have my commandments and do them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So it's not enough just to have his commandments. It's not enough just to think good and pure and holy thoughts. You have to link that thought with action. And you can do that, not in your own power, but because Christ is in you, strengthening you and empowering you to do that. So you can love without measure. You can live without fear. You can link thought and action. And finally, in verse 11, what does he say? Not that I complain of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Paul is writing this from a prison cell. So he knows whereof he speaks, right? He's writing from jail, and he can be content in jail. How? Because he has Christ in him, strengthening him and empowering him to do these things. Contentment is not based on all of our outward circumstances when everything around us is perfect. It's never going to happen that way. Contentment is internal. And I think it can be learned behavior. It can be learned by trusting in the fact that Jesus said when you invite him into your heart, he comes in and he comes in and he takes up residence and he stays. And he's there. And he will empower you to do those things that you can never do alone, like being content apart from outward circumstances. I don't know, maybe you were blessed with a wonderful environment in which you grew up and your life has always been perfect and you've never had any problems and it's always been good. But I doubt there are many people here like that. We all have challenges and difficulties and problems and we can still be content. If Paul can be, because here he is in prison, chained to a guard, Incidentally, he's probably preaching to the guard the whole time they're chained together. And, and I imagine that guard is watching Paul and saying, what makes this guy different from everybody else in jail here? What makes this guy praise God and encourage fellow believers and, and witness to his faith in Christ? When everybody else in here is, is crying out, get me out of here. I don't deserve to be here. Somebody help me. Jesus is praising God and, and Paul is, I mean, Paul is thanking God and praising him while in prison in Rome. So we can be content. If Paul can be, then we can be. Christians in Baghdad, in Palestine, in Indonesia, in Muslim territories, they can be content. And we can be content right here in South Georgia because we can do all things through Christ, who strengthens us. I want to close with a story about a young man named Tim up in Michigan who was just a, a 
wonderful young man, grew up in church, gave his life to Christ, witnessed for Christ, went off to college, excelled in his grades and studies, graduated from college, got a job with uh, a corporation there in, in the Northwest and was climbing the ladder of success. And after a few years, became sick and put him in the hospital, thought it was the flu, turned out to be leukemia. His family was overseas, and so he called his pastor and said, I need to talk to you. And he, he shared that with him, and then the pastor stayed in touch, and about three years later, Tim's condition worsened, and he was in the hospital again. Called for the pastor, and the pastor went, and Tim, by this time, was too weak to even raise his head. His mom was over in the corner crying. Pastor got down on his knees and was able to look at Tim in the eye, and Tim said, I've learned something in all this. And, and whenever someone dying says, I've learned something, you pay close attention to what they have to say. He said, remember, this is several years ago. He said, I've learned that life is not like a VCR. He said, you cannot fast forward past the bad stuff. He said, but I've also learned that Jesus is still in every frame. And right now, that's enough. Friends, we can't fast forward through the bad stuff of life. But if Jesus is with us, it's going to be enough. We're going to be okay. Because we can love without measure. We can live without fear. We can link our thought with our action. And we can learn to be content without reservation no matter what our circumstances are because if Christ is in us, strengthening us, empowering us, we can do all things that God is calling us to do. Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Loving Living, linking thought and action, learning contentment. Those are the things that Paul's addressing in this letter. And he concludes and summarizes, how can all these things be possible? Because Christ is in me, strengthening me. And he can do that for you too. Pray with me. Father, as we come together, we acknowledge today that we don't often live victorious lives, that we live lives that conform to society more than lives that conform to you and your will. So help us to distance ourselves from the world, to distinguish ourselves from those who don't believe in you, who don't have you living in their heart, empowering them, strengthening them. Help us to love with unconditional love. Help us to live without fear. Help us to put feet into our thoughts and to do those things that we have hidden in our heart that need to find tangible expression. And finally, Help us to find contentment 
that doesn't come when everything is perfect, but comes when you are made perfect in our hearts and lives. Forgive us, cleanse us. Lord, separate us and use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.